Jeremiah 45 is where we are this afternoon, and uh, some intriguing things here. Let's read all five verses. The Bible says, the word that came, uh, the word that Jeremiah the prophet spake unto Baruch the son of Neriah, when he had written these words in a book at the mouth of Jeremiah in the fourth year of Jehoiakim the son of Josiah king of Judah, saying, Thus saith the Lord, the God of Israel, unto thee, O Baruch, uh, thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. Thou shalt say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I have built will I break down, and that which I have planted I will pluck up, even this whole land. And seekest thou great things for thyself? Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. Let's pray. Lord, I pray for your help as we look at these just these few verses today. And uh, God, I pray that we can learn and take something from it. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've got these five verses, and it starts off with the word that Jeremiah spake. Uh, and uh, then it goes down in verse 4 to the words the Lord spoke. But uh, here it gives us the setting in verse number 1 to Baruch uh, and, uh, and then the time frame of it all. And then in verse 2, the Lord, the God of Israel, said unto thee, O Baruch, and then the words that God said. Um, and uh, he says that thou didst say, Woe is me now, for the Lord hath added grief to my sorrow, and faint, I fainted in my sighing, and I find no rest. That woe is me has the, the same idea as um, when a baby falls down and is not hurt and they look at the parent and the parent doesn't care and so the baby goes, no pain, no problem, but no one cares. And so they just, that's what this is talking about. It's the same kind of woe as me, the same kind of whining, crying that is there. It's it's, there's not any real passion behind it. There's not any real meaning behind it other than just, I've got to cry about something. And so there's, there is that. Every fall is dramatic when you're, when you're a kid. We used to cheer when our kids fell. So the, the teach them it's not that big of a deal. Um, and even one of our kids, I don't remember which one, he would fall down and we had, Katie would yell, boom, baby. And, uh, and before long, that kid would start saying, boom, baby, every time they fell down. Didn't cry. It worked. Um, but uh, uh, these young babies, every time they cry, it's got to be dramatic, right? I mean, same things when they're hungry. Same thing when they're just not getting attention. It's, it's just drama. And, uh, and that's what this woe is me is. Oh, woe is me. Dramatic. If you listen to Patch the Pirate, uh, one of the characters there kind of has that, that woe is me mentality uh, as well. But anyways, here it is. And it's important to understand that not every storm is life-threatening. We know that in real life, right? Thunder, lightning. As adults, we go, it's just a nice thunderstorm. And kids are like, are we going to die? Um, no, we're not going to die. Uh, where I come from, you sit out on the porch and watch the storm. You don't, you don't, you're not scared of it. But there are storms that are scary, are there not? There's tornadoes and hurricanes and earthquakes and different things. So there are life-threatening storms, but most of the storms that come through are not life-threatening. If you look at it through the storms and the trials of life, not all of them are life-threatening. Not all of them are, are so serious um, that you're at your wit's end, and some of them are just a simple trial that comes through your life. 
It's a growing period. It's a time to learn and grow from it. Yet here it is, the woe is me. Um, the Lord added grief to my sorrow. I fainted in my sighing. I find no rest. This is so, so hard. And it says here, uh, uh, actually over in James 1, verse 2 and 3, it says, My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into diverse temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. Some storms are in your life for good. Uh, many of them are. They're there to, to grow your faith. They're there to prove your faith. Uh, they're there for you to, to see God's got it. God's in control. It's okay. Yet oftentimes the storm comes instead of us going, oh, this is God working in my life. This is God growing my faith, God trying my faith, whatever it may be. Sorry. Uh, and whatever it may be. And we get to that point where we kind of overlook what God is doing in our lives. And the reality is, is, is many of these storms that come through our lives, they're not life-threatening, but they are life-changing. They can be, and they can stretch us and grow us into what God wants us to be uh, from there. And then the desire for Baruch is a reputation. He wanted to grow in a reputation. He wanted to uh, be well-known, and we'll see that again in just a second. But what he received was trials. It was hardships. It was not what he was looking for. And then in verse number 4, it says, Thus shalt thou say unto him, The Lord saith thus, Behold, that which I, God, have built, will I, God, break down. That which I, God, have planted, I, God, will pluck up even this whole land. It's God reminding that, that this is my possession. This is of my doing. This land, this people, they're mine. And I will do with them what I so choose to do with them. And this mindset of we can do this, we are going to do our own thing, we can survive, we can protect, we can whatever, God's saying, no, what I have built, I will break down. I built it, not you. I'll break it down, not you. And not Babylon and not anybody else. And what I have planted, I will tear up. Not you, not Babylon, and not anybody else. It is of God's doing. It is, as we talked about in Sunday school, we mentioned it in, in the service this morning, the, the punishment, the chastising of God. He's saying, I'm the one doing this. When the world flooded, it wasn't by happenstance. God did it. It says that he looked and he saw the whole world. Was, their thoughts were evil continually. All they thought about was wickedness. And it repented him that he had made the earth. And so he said, I'm going to destroy the earth. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah, his family were spared. And God, what God built, God tore down. What God planted, God ripped up. And the same is true here with these people. They were idolatrous. They were wicked. They were sinful. What God built, he broke down. What God planted, uh, he as well uh, uh, tore up. And I find it interesting because I think that there's a time here, and, and and please understand, this is purely my opinion uh, on this, and I try to make that clear when I... But Jeremiah could have been very compassionate of the people here. And Jeremiah could have been very angry with the people here. So instead of letting Jeremiah speak, God's speaking to Jeremiah say this. And that's one thing that we get when you have a preacher who is sharing purely opinion. I know I just gave my opinion, and I'm giving my opinion, but when you have a pastor who shares purely opinion... A pastor can get angry. A pastor can get prideful. A pastor can get 
uh, overly compassionate where he forgets what's helpful for the people. Uh, a pastor can get all these kinds of things. So if you just speak God's word, then you're getting the message that is true and the message that is right. And Jeremiah, we know Jeremiah loved his people. We know that Jeremiah wanted to, his people to be spared. Um, even after they threw him in prison, Jeremiah still desired that the nation would be spared. But because a person is emotional, God here speaks. He says, these are my words, not Jeremiah's words. So what I've built, I'll break down. What I planted, I will tear up even this whole land. And uh, then it says uh, here in verse 5, And seekest thou great things for thyself? It's a question. And he says, Seek them not. For behold, I will bring evil upon all flesh, saith the Lord. But thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. There are not going to be any riches coming. That goes with the breaking down and the plucking up. Uh, there's not blessings there, right? So, so there's not going to be any wealth, any, any uh, things happening here. And he says in verse 5, he asks, are you seeking great things for thyself? The, the gaining, the material, uh, the position, all those sorts of things. He says, don't seek that because, and the reason is, behold, I'm going to bring evil. I'm going to be, bring evil upon all flesh. Uh, uh, that means hardships, trials, tribulations, famine, uh, the sword, all these things that we've read about in other, in other chapters. Those things are coming. He says, but thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. You're not going to be famous. You're not going to be wealthy. You're not going to be blessed. You are going to be alive. And it's going to be hard. Why? Well, because of the sin. And we've talked about that in previous 44 chapters. Idolatry, wickedness, rebellion, rejection of God's message, all of these things. And listen, and he's talking to God's people. Remember, we're talking to Israel, to God's people in these chapters. And we look around, though, at the world today, and we look at God's children today, those that have been brought into the family of God. We talked about that in Sunday school as well. Look at them and watch. And the ones that reject and the ones that rebel and the ones that go through different things uh, that are seeking for themselves. There may be a time that it looks like all is good with them, but I'm telling you it's not. Their lives are miserable. I have pastor friends all across the world. I'm in groups with pastors on social media where I listen and I watch and I read as people are going through different things and hardships and different things. There's a There have been several pastors over the last several years that have committed suicide. And it's a horrible thing. And so the, the thought process is constantly, I want to be very careful with this. The thought process is, you know, pastors go through, pastors go through difficult things, stress and different things. And, and we need to be praying for pastors and we need to be aware and those kinds of things. And I agree with all of that. I'm, I'm not trying to diminish that. But from what I've watched, the, the pastors that are committing the suicides are largely coming from people who do things that just don't seem to be very biblical. And, and again, I'm not, I hope this isn't coming across wrong, but the, the immediate thought is, oh, we need to pray for our pastors, which you, I, I hope that you do. But what causes stress and what causes these, these feelings that get you to the point where you're done and you give up and you say, I'm just going to take my own life? It's not a godly thing. And... And it's not to say they weren't going through hardships and things that, that, that they couldn't control or whatever it may be. But what I've seen from pastors who have gone out of ministry because of too much stress or too much hardship, a large 
part of them, not all of them, a large part of them, though, there was sin involved. There were things in their life that wasn't right. There were things that, that they, they weren't obeying the way they were supposed to obey. And it just piled on. Now, there are other guys who are doing everything they can. They're trying to be faithful. They're, they're obeying God in every way, and it just piles and piles and piles, and eventually they say, it's time for me to step away. And I'm not saying that you know every pastor that steps away from the ministry is in, in sin or anything like that. But what I've learned, at least in my own life, is that when I'm obeying God, yes, there's trials, but they're not overbearing trials because God's the one that's helping me get through them. When, uh, when there's other things happening in life that are just, um, you know, but, but when I'm not right with God, it gets heavy really fast, really fast. Uh, and I don't know what it's like in your life. I just know what it's like in my life. When I'm not right with God, the burdens are too much to bear. The weight of ministry, the weight of family, the weight of job, the weight of, uh, of, the, of the shame and the guilt of sin or whatever it may be, it just piles and piles and piles and it gets heavy and heavy and heavy. But when I go to God and say, God, I was wrong, God, forgive me, I'm no longer carrying the burden. God's carrying it for me. But we also have to remember, and I just want to clarify again, pastors are people too. And it may be little things. It may not be major things. And it might drive people to a dark place where they experience depression and they experience things that are too much for themselves to handle. And for whatever reason, they can't pass that off to God and, and, and they choose to go a different direction. And I pray for their families and, and their churches and everything that's underneath them as well. But I believe, because I believe the Bible teaches it, that when we cast our cares on him, he carries the burden for us. When I cast um, my burdens and, and, and the weight of the pressures of the world, family, ministry, financial, whatever it is, when I say, God, this is your weight to carry, he carries it for me. When I sin and I ask forgiveness, God takes the weight of the shame and the sin off of me and he puts it on the cross. And we get to these points in life and, and, and I, I'm trying to be very sensitive about these, the darkness, right, that goes on, the depression and, and all that happens because I know it happens. But we've got to remember the thing that helps us the most above all things. I'm not against um, therapy, especially biblical counseling therapy. I'm not against medication as it's necessary. But I am 100% pro the first thing you do is you go to God. Here is my problem. You are my solution. And God might guide you to a biblical counselor or therapist. God might guide you to medication. And that's, like I said, perfectly fine. But it has to start with God. God, here's my weight. Here's my burden. Here's my stress. Here's my concern. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and the door shall be opened unto you. There is always an answer when it comes to the things of God. There's always a solution when it goes through God that does not end in physical harm, that does not end in uh, ruining the rest of your family's life. And you see, we've got to keep that focus where it's supposed to be, and it starts with living the life that is right. It's the simplest of things. Obey. Why is it so important that we obey God? Because the way of sin is destruction. 
whether you're lost or you're saved, the way of sin is destruction. These people are God's children, and he says, I'm going to pluck you up, even this whole land, and I'm bringing evil upon all flesh, but they will, thy life will I give unto thee for a prey in all places whither thou goest. Trials, hardships, struggle. Why? Because they didn't obey. It's God's children, but they didn't obey. The lost world, their sin, their destruction, that the sin leads to is hell. The saved world, sin still leads to destruction. It doesn't lead to hell. It still leads to destruction. And you see it. Marriage is ruined. Children hurt. Families destroyed. Churches hurt. People within the church hurt. Testimonies ruined. You see, the things of God, the obeying God, it affects more than you. When you disobey, when you're in sin, it affects the people around you. These people, as a whole, as a group, they decided we're rejecting God. They said it, point blank. We looked at it before. We're not going to listen. We're going to do what we want to do. And there's a consequence for it. And there's always a consequence to sin. Whether it leads to the darkest of dark days, or whether it affects other people, or whether it does whatever, I'm telling you, because the Bible tells us sin leads to destruction. And so we have to follow God and we have to obey Him so that we don't have to experience the judgment, the righteous judgment of God. We said don't be critical, don't have a critical spirit of people. God does not have a critical spirit of us, but He is righteous, and because He is righteous, He judges sin. Sin has consequences. In this case, it ruined a nation. Are you going to let sin ruin your life? Are you going to let sin ruin your family's life? Are you going to let sin ruin our nation's life? You see, it starts with just simple obedience. And we say, oh, it's not that big of a deal. It's just this little thing. It is that big of a deal because it piles if we don't obey God, we have to expect that the punishment is coming. And we see just another example of the many examples we see in the book of Jeremiah. We see another example of that right here. Let's guard ourselves and let's ask God to help us. And let's dedicate every single day an obedient life to God. So that we don't have to be the example that someone else has of what happens when we don't. Lord, I pray for your help. And God, I pray that you'd help us to be right. We've heard it our whole lives. Just obey, do right. But God, I pray that we would apply it to our hearts from what we consider to be the smallest of things to the biggest of things. God, help us just to follow you, that we trust in you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. God, that we would love you with all our heart, with all our soul, with all our mind. And God, that we would be the example to others of what is right as opposed to what is wrong. So help us, guard us, protect us, provide for us. We do pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. All right, we're back Wednesday night at 7. If you can come, we sure want you to be here uh, to meet the Barretts. And then uh, we will be back next Sunday, same time, same place. Uh, soups and salads next week. Uh, supposed to be a nice, cool 69 degrees next week. So uh, we looked at the weather before we decided that <laughs> to make sure we weren't having that 90-degree spike. Um, if you need anything, let me know. 
uh, for record, not this week, but the following week, I go down to four days a week at my other job, um, at my other full-time, part-time job uh, over there. And uh, so I'll be in the church one day a week through the rest of high school football season. It's going to probably be on Fridays. Um, and then once football season is done, I'll probably shift it to Wednesdays, although it's going to be a little flexible because if it's raining, I can't do anything at, at that job. Uh, so I might take a rain day and, and come to the church instead. But the plan is for right now to be on Friday. So I always have my phone on me, so you can always text, email, call, whatever. Um, but uh, just to be aware, I, I'll be around one day a week um, and fully available all day. So if you need anything, please do let us know. And uh, we sure love you all. appreciate everything that everybody does. Everybody pitches in. We had, uh, I think uh, Kim was able to come help clean this week. And um, uh, Julie was able to come help decorate last week or whenever that was recently. And, uh, and everybody's pitching in in different places. Thank you so much for that. There is a new nursery schedule uh, up. And I think Cherith is sending that to everybody that's on the nursery schedule. But that's up there as well. Uh, from there, invite people, right? Bring them to church with you. And encourage them to come out. Um, and invite them to lunch. And uh, different things. Oh, uh, are you recording still? Stop it. Turn, turn it off.